Hello there, you snowy angels. It's Chappie the British Butler, and the podcast is Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese, a carb-laden pursuit into delicious delectation and delight, audio wonder, and lots of podcasting might. Welcome along to the program. It's lovely to have you here. We've had a bit of a dusting, or a little bit more than a dusting. I mean, it was more than... uh, than Mr. Snowman shaking his dandruff head last night. A little bit more than that. A little bit icy underfoot. So I've moved the yak tracks onto some uh, new boots that I have that have fluffy insoles. I mean, you want to make your shoes like your slippers, don't you? That's the ultimate. That's what really what Uggs have done. They've made shoes into, or slippers into shoes, basically, with some grip on the bottom and a little bit more hardy. Um, but these are quite comfortable, but I had to put the Yak Tracks on because it was a little bit slippy. And I don't know if you've ever done this before. Uh, I, I do feel like I'm sort of some sort of uh, alpine mountaineer. I feel like I've a Tibetan Sherpa um, on my uh, snowy travails. And uh, walking along a metal bridge, a fairly long metal bridge. Now, everything else was fairly fine, a little bit slippy underfoot. I had to learn not to uh, go onto my tippy toes. That's the problem. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Going onto your tippy toes is when you start getting into all sorts of trouble when it comes to uh, slipping and sliding around. Um, and I and I realized that I'm the worst possible ice skater. A couple of years ago, I tried it with my daughters, and I was really, really bad. And I'm not much better on, uh, on trek and terrain than, <laughs> than I am on ice. Uh, but going along a bridge... Under the metal, there's no traction there. So even with the yak tracks on, you're a little bit slippy and sliding. When you've got two over-keen hands pulling you along, you almost become a human dog sled. That's how it works there. But, you know, I feel I feel like I've uh, travailed and got over the summit of the mount <laughs> just this morning um, without too many, uh, too many issues absolutely beautiful day is there anything better than a crisp winter's day whether it's a frosty day or the snow underfoot and it's so bright and uh the uh, the brightness is translucent off the snow it makes them i put some pictures up on instagram actually. absolutely beautiful and then you get these craggy old trees and the snow cascading off them and just it's like a shelf of snow on the limb of a tree it's uh it's fabulous absolutely absolutely wondrous so that uh that was my morning so far nothing better you wake up a little bit groggy and you get out there into the uh, into the icy tundra and uh you feel feel so much better with the world and everything else and the dogs like children every time they see snow they love bounding around in it and uh yes i did put a picture of uh Maggie, uh, slow motion, ride of the Valkyries um, with a with a poopy dog butt. Yes, I need to get the wet wipes. I I know. I as I edited it, I thought, you know what? Maybe they'll think it's a bit of mud or whatever. No, corgis. This is one thing about corgis. They have interesting digestion issues. Uh, not going to go into into any more than that, really. Uh, yeah, you don't want to. Don't be delving too deeply into Corky's digestion. But yeah, that, that's some of the problems that they, they do have here. But now I'm thinking, you know, I came back. Do I need some bacon? 
I mean, do you, does anybody ever need any bacon? Well, I think we need bacon as our sort of lifeblood or blocks the arteries up to the lifeblood, basically. But yes, yeah, Saturday mornings are made for sort of a, a fillingless breakfast. And we do have uh, some rape my plate later. I know I promised it later, uh, um, later in the program, which we will be having, I promise you that. And as I said, there's no running order on this podcast. And, uh, you know, I'm not the sort of uh, typical sort of politician. I make promises. You will get at some point over the course of time. It may be the next podcast. It may be in the towards the end of the podcast. Uh, you'll get something from the running order that I say at the top of the show. But we're not ruled by uh, tablets that have been etched. Hebrew tablets, there's nothing like Moses tablets etched with the rules of the podcast, the running order of the podcast. Yes, we don't have any of that here. We're a little bit loosey-goosey, and that's just the way I love it. And don't you also just love uh, Culture Club's lead singer, Boy George? Many people have said that I look like Boy George. If anybody, <laughs> if any, I look like anybody, and it's a little bit difficult these days because he has no hair. But I did, uh, I think I came second or third in a fancy dress competition in like 1983 or four, dressed as Boy George. It's the eyes, I tell you, it's the eyes. But uh, Boy George had a very interesting article, a little Twitter, a little tweet earlier today. And he posted this up on Twitter. Home Ahobia. Christians ban house viewing by gay couple. A couple thought they had found their dream home and told they couldn't even view it because they were gay. This is absolutely disgusting. I applaud, I applaud Boy George uh, putting this up on Twitter here. I mean, we should love all our gay uh, brethren and sisterhood here. Uh, I mean, these people are trying to sell their house. It really is church of the poison mind. I mean, I don't know if you truly believe this or not, um, but when we're talking about one's senses, they, they always say that if one sense is deteriorating, like your eyesight, hearing, then um, other senses sort of make up for it, basically. And not only not necessarily eradicate the uh, declining issue, uh, but uh, come up well above par, basically. Now, I, I don't know, I've been, I've been uh, short-sighted uh, for quite a long time. So wear glasses, contact lenses, etc., etc. Um, but uh, my palate is still remarkably good. Um, my hearing's not too bad. Or I, I mean, people think I have these earphones strapped to my head half the time, which I probably do. My hearing's not too bad. But my sense of smell. Now, it, I think it could be Pinocchio. It could be a very long snack. I think a long snack, a long nose. Those long, elongated nasal passages do help the smell. So the other morning, I was walking along. Do love a good walk and a jaunt, as we I always say. It's good for the soul. Good for everything. And I smelt this, and I thought, well... And this is the constant struggle, the constant wrestle that we have on this podcast about the consistency of scrambled eggs. Now... Classically, and in England, classic French recipes of scrambled eggs, the scrambled eggs are a little bit runny. Now, Americans would say that is underdone. I completely disagree with that. You want them a little bit runny, 
a little sloppy. I mean, I like my porridge sloppy. I like my egg sloppy. Everything sloppy, you know. But the other day, and I thought this is... Only in America would you be able to smell this. I smelled scrambled eggs. How, how chappy did you smell scrambled eggs? Well, I could smell that they would like... They weren't burnt, but you could tell the underbottom, the bottom of the pan would have been crispy. So you have a crust on your scrambled eggs and I could smell that they're overdone, completely overdone for me. I mean, you might have them quite sort of hard and creamy on the top, but then that, that sort of crust underneath the skin. Now, I don't want any skin on my scrambled eggs. We'll be talking about rice pudding skin later on, funnily enough, on the podcast. But I could smell that. That's how acute my nostrils are to the anathema of overcooked scrambled eggs. And I know this will be a running battle for the podcast, probably from beginning to the last time I ever broadcast this podcast will probably be... Uh, wrestling over the idea of, of scrambled eggs well yesterday we talked about how it's good to talk how i talked to an 85 year old woman and how we've lost the art of conversation the politeness of the older generation as well we never talked about hemp bedding we never talked about ed sheeran and his burial mound well it's not like sutton who or something he's not gonna you're not gonna wake up and then he's gonna be maybe a thousand of his albums uh basically melted down into some sort of uh, anglo-saxon face mask no 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 that would send a shiver down you um but no we'll be talking about ed Sheeran. we never talked about port bar the port bar plot uh nearly ousted joris boris john doris johnson or boris johnson even um and how kindness to my dogs being i mean i'm uber kind anyway bacon sliced pheasant we talked about this but yeah i being extra kind to them especially in your voice does help them be a little bit more obedient a new type of hairstyling uh my uh, dreams have become pretty dull over the years uh cauliflower yes that's the name of the podcast you're paying attention a plus for that people uh but yes we'll be talking about cauliflower there's an excess of cauliflower the theater of prime minister's questions Biscuit dunking, rice pudding. Um, we talked about my nose already. <laughs> I tell you, I mean, some people think men have some sort of, uh, uh, basically their ego and their mind is sort of in the lower appendage. I think mine might be my nose, to be honest. Uh, I felt so manly last night. Well, manly this morning. Yak tracks going across a metal bridge without slipping over. Uh, presidential hairs. Uh, as well we, we we talked about woke onions yesterday yes woke onions yesterday they they've been on sale here apparently for four years where so the british are very far behind the americans they've been selling woke onions onions where you're not going to be crying or upset we do have a trumpet trombone we do have a rate my plate and i was thinking about a uh, also a rubbish poker but I don't know. I saw a trail of something and I was thinking, well, maybe this could be rubbish poker. But this is a whole different tale, I think. So we have 27 ways to lift one's mood, to feel happier. Uh, number one, take a two minute cold shower every day. I know it sounds awful, but I tell you, if you turn that down to cold, 
that does help. I mean, lots of people talk about this. Uh, Wim Hof, obviously, um, in the UK, Chris Evans has been talking about it. But researchers in the US found taking a 20 degree Celsius shower for two to three minutes, preceded by five minute gradual adaption to make the procedure less shocking. Shocking, simply shocking. Once or twice daily has a mood boosting and antidepressive effect on people who tried it for several months. Yes, it does. I need to get back into the cold showers. Okay, listen also to morning birdsong. Taking even a few minutes to listen to birdsong can have a profound effect on one's mood. The songs of the robin and wren can be heard right through the depths of winter, but as soon as the days lengthen, the chorus will grow. The thrushes, dunnocks, and tits. Yes, singing tits, everybody. Learn to identify different birdsongs with the Wildlife Trust on Ningit Beginner's Guide. Stretch for at least seven minutes daily. Go for a walk without your phone. Wow, that's a tough one. I like listening to music on my walk here. But you don't have a full-time detox if you don't bring and leave your social media behind. Maybe not don't look at the social media as you're walking along. Hang a bird feeder outside your window. Daily joy you'll find inspired uh, by taking the RSBCA, Royal Society Prevention of, uh, for, for Birds, Big Garden Bird Watch. Help somebody else. Take a 20-minute power walk. Cardiovascular exercise makes us feel good because even short 20-minute sessions triggers the endorphins of our natural happy hormone. Meditate for 15 minutes every day. Oh, lint balls. Lint balls. I love the lint balls. Yeah, that's my meditation there. Plant a blossom tree. Slap on the ultimate red lipstick. Yes, you chaps as well. Slap on that red lippy. Slap on the red lippy. Take a photo on your phone outside at 4 p.m. every day. Great reminder that the days are getting longer. Dance. Dance, darlings. Dance. Research shows that dance increases the levels of opioid production. Yes, without eating uh, eating poppy seeds. Yes, don't be. Uh, no, not many. Too many of those poppy seeds. Be a stargazer. Yes, be a, like Patrick Moore, be a stargazer. Take out a mystery book subscription. Love a good mystery. Lots of mysteries. Harlan Corbin, highly recommended. Uh, you want to watch on Netflix, uh, all the books. Many, many, many books, even involving writing train spotting. Uh, great. Outs- get outside within an hour of waking up. Yes, I do that every morning. Fantastic stuff. Paint your door frame or cupboards bright yellow. I actually like yellow. And many people would disagree. I don't think uh, I don't think my dearest love would like yeah, she didn't like yellow very much, but I love yellow. Be a winner at Wordle. What's Wordle? Go online and spend a few minutes trying to guess a five-letter word. It's the beauty and simplicity of the game. Everybody's doing Wordle. Swap the gym for a club. Boost your social life and mood as your muscles by searching out a local football, cricket, rugby. I mean some of these might be harder <laughs> in the US to find. Organize your wardrobe. Yes, very organized. Do the jumper jenga. We'll be having another session of jumper jenga where we basically stack up the sweaters, take the bottom one out to the top, and which one uh, which one makes it fall down? You have to donate. Plant primroses for instant color. Light a posh candle. What's a posh? Oh, I heard of posh candle. Uh, Neom has a candle called Happiness with the scents of neroli, mimosa, and lemon. You tried drinking the candle wax. That probably wouldn't be very good of it. Tastes like a mimosa. Or, uh, oh, yeah. Mosa. Can you imagine that? Like, you have a mimosa candle one day and then a samosa candle. 
I'll be eating all the wax up. Enjoy the best cheese toast you ever. Take two slices of sourdough bread and brush, each side with melted butter. Turn each over, one slice of Dijon mustard and 100 grams of grated cheddar and gruyere. Sprinkle over finely sliced spring onions. Oh, it sounds absolutely lovely. Or get yourself a panini press. Love a panini press. Highly recommend it. Boost your mood with uplifting scents. Not your own scent after the long walk. That might be a little bit... uh, Especially if you had French onion soup the day before, that could be a problem. Make a quick DIY face mask. Yes, anything that adds instant glow to dull January skin is cheering. Mash up a quarter of ripe avocado, add a teaspoon of rolled oats. And I wouldn't, you know, make avocado toast after putting on your face necessary. Borrow a dog. We've got some rambunctious corgi in a border collie. You can borrow if you want now and again. Belt out a tune make the easiest chocolate cake ever 100 grams of unsalted butter 60 grams cocoa powder 350 grams of soft brown sugar 110 grams of plain flour sifted three eggs preheat the oven grease the cake tin melt the butter then add the dry ingredients eggs as well mix well until no lumps pour the mixture into a tin 20 to 30 minutes until the edges uh, are firm but gooey in the middle cool the tin loosen the cake Uh, by uh, running along the edge of the tin by running a knife around it and then put onto a wire rack serve with creme fraiche or ice cream health and well-being events well i think it wouldn't be very a health and well-being event after eating a huge chunk of that chocolate cake yes move over linen hemp sheets are the new must-have eco-friendly bedding hemp fibers are super soft and more sustainable than cotton or flax sheets so they're also the environmental benefits of hemp. Hemp is a great eco-friendly alternative to conventional cotton. The fast-growing plant uses 30% less water and cotton to grow 25% less water in production process. Also naturally resistant to pests and weeds. So you're not going to have uh, you know, your ex-boyfriend or girlfriend coming around anymore because hemp will keep those pests away. The benefits of hemp bedding, hemp is naturally thermoregulating meaning hemp material is excellent at temperature and moisture regulation. If you're a sweaty sleeper, hemp will help you. Uh, It will keep you cool during the summer, naturally wicking away the sweat, while at the same time the sheets will keep you warm and cozy during the uh, winter months. Hemp is also naturally antimicrobial, protecting your bed against mold and mildew. Yes, you do not want moldy sheets. It does not help one's relationship, a moldy sheet. But I'm wondering, though, I mean, it's obviously hemp, so I give the dog's hemp tablets you you want to start chewing it i mean you could get them some marijuana sheets and have a little nibble or something yeah man i had a good sleep last night i'm so relaxed after sleeping on my hemp bedding and taking a wee nibble of the sheets yeah so Ed Sheeran wants to build a crypt on his private estate. Ed Sheeran wants a crypt built inside the yet-to-be-constructed private chapel in Suffolk Estate. In December, the Bad Habits uh, singer requested a permit to make additional uh, building plans for his uh, Winnie's Hall Chapel, uh, whose construction was approved in 2019, in a burial zone beneath its ground floor. The request to build the crypt would measure about 9 feet by 6 feet, it was part of an application submitted to the East Suffolk Council on Christmas Eve. The applications include the addition of windows, elevators, and temporary shed and welfare facilities. While a reputation did not respond initially to the reports, it's currently being considered and a decision will be made 
in due course. The crypt will be located beneath the ground floor of the chapel whose construction was approved by the local council in November 2019. A, a private place for retreating contemplation, for celebration of key life of family milestones, family and social gatherings and christenings. I don't know if I want a wedding or a christening down in a crypt. Uh, Sharon's entire estate is worth $5 million, includes a gym, wildlife pond and a pub. He's got his own pub. Well, uh, we've got a, a lovely new brew here. It's uh, called the called the Speckled Ginger. Well, just imagine that, though. You know, you've got Ed Sheeran when he eventually uh, relinquishes and go, you know, goes on his way. The end of the mortal coil. And he's placed down in the crypt. And there's generations of gingers buried down in this crypt here. I mean, remember the wonders of uh, reading in history, Howard Carter, you know, finding Tutankhamun's tomb all those years ago. But just imagine the horror, like, you know, in a thousand years time, it's near the end of the world and people are trying to find shelter from uh, maybe a, a comet just about to hit or something along those lines. Or they, or they discover, these archaeologists discover this, yes, we've gone deep into the ether and discovered a ginger crypt and... A number of ginger sarcophaguses. I mean, everybody was delighted when they found Tutankhamun and the death mask. But just imagine you found a ginger sarcophagus and a ginger death mask. I mean, you would be haunted forever. A ginger crypt full of, you know, gingers who are buried there. Who have basically uh, been put to rest in the family crypt. But it is a crypt of gingers. I mean, you probably think about a change of career from archaeologist maybe to serving at McDonald's or something after that. You'd never be able to get away and forget the ginger sarcophagus. So I don't know if you heard in the week about Adele cancelling her Las Vegas shows, series of shows that she'll be performing residency over in Las Vegas. And a lot of people have travelled over there ready for the start of this Las Vegas uh, residency and something happened. No, don't know what it is. I mean, Adele is hugely talented. And uh, she gave a very tearful, uh, tearful sort of apology online. And she's a Spurs supporter as well. Fantastic that she's a Spurs supporter. Maybe she should go and sing over at Tottenham to maybe give them some luck or something like this. But I think, though, seriously, I was thinking about this. And the start of her new record does sound like some sort of demented and constipated droids running around, uh, causing all sorts of carnage and havoc, the beginning of a new uh, new single. And I was thinking that maybe, maybe what has happened is the sky actually has fallen. So there was actually Skyfall, and aliens have now basically infiltrated, these are all alien Adels, and they've basically infiltrated and cause the cancellation of her residency. But she's basically fighting some sort of alien droid, like civil war or something along those. I mean, this is sort of the aliens have like come down here and we've got thousands of like alien uh, Adels causing some sort of havoc in the solar system here. And I think this is what, in, in, in her recent song, The Sky Has Fallen, and her recent song has basically been a calling card and beckoned these alien Adels down 
And there's only one solution here. They're going to have to call in Bruce Willis to solve the issue. I do absolutely love the Nature's Notebook, Notebook and the London Times. And this is, in the bleak midwinter, a plant in full bloom. A winter scramble among the woody gorges of the Derwent Valley between Matlock and Cromford usually turns up a handful of early flowering plants. There's a good network of footpaths at the highest elevations. It's sensible to stick to them to avoid the sheer drop cliff edges that fall away towards the valley. Even confined to the pass, there's still plenty of botanical interest despite the prospect of heavy snow or a sharp frost. Poking around in the dry and dead grasses, I found a few emerging shoots of flowerheads, of wood avens, dog mercury, and wild strawberries, all soon to be in full bloom. The delicate three-levered wood sorrel looked impossibly vulnerable so early, but a few flowers were just beginning to appear. Continuing my limestone woodland and grassland scramble, I thought I'd spotted what I was looking for, only to realise it was a butterbur growing on a patch of wet ground in the marshy puddled path and similar to my quest for the species. These flower spikes are about six to eight inches tall already and pink flowers were starting and showing well. It took a bit more scrambling to find the plant, but I could find a near relative of the butterbur tucked to the rock ledge conveniently head height and surrounded by a cradle of dead brambles and tangled grass. The winter heliotrope is quite a large plant with prominent pink flowers out of bloom in the first days of January. It has a distinctive vanilla scent, explaining its significant and scientific name, Pestitis fragrans, an introduced plant nevertheless botanist prized for flowering at any time of year relatively when scarcity is among wildflowers. And uh, we hasn't seen this fella in a long time. We have our good old friend, uh, Percy Grower. Now, normally he uh, really is more interested in the botany world and gardening, gardening tips. But uh, he's, he's moved sort of more into the avian uh, form, the avian form, uh, and uh, into uh, bird watching now. And uh, here's some news for us here. Oh, how do? Uh, just want to talk about the woodcock in decline, the woodcock. Uh, on my winter walks through the brooding moors and dark palm woods of a valley, occasionally I flush out a woodcock. These quite large waddling birds have a characteristic slow scudding flight at one of the largest bells and body ratios of any bird. So basically we're talking about the decline of the woodcock. And uh, Percy does, uh, does recommend... Uh, in the aviary world here, the avian world here, of birds, possibly some uh, Viagra to revive and elevate the woodcock to its uh, prominence that we had seen previously. So, absolutely loved an article by CNN really explaining the idiosyncrasies in British politics. It's been a huge week in British politics. So they explained about the pork pie plot, what it means to Boris Johnson here. They talked about Boris Johnson's time at number 10 being over, questioning that. They talk of a no-confidence vote, trying to explain the 1922 committee and, uh, and what happened if Johnson loses a no-confidence blow, how many letters have to be submitted. But the most hilarious thing is the pork pie plot. Yes, the British press is rife with the speculation that the MP for Rutland and Melton 
uh, Alicia Keys, Melton Mowbray's where they make the pork pies, hosted a meeting of discontented conservative backbenchers that uh, consistency is home for the famous Melton Mowbray pork pie. It's probably simply an odd coincidence that pork pie is Cockney rhyming slang for lie. But I wanted to talk a little bit about the history of pork pie. So this is from the Vale of Mowbray, Melton Mowbray, where they first made the pork pies and the pork pie plot stemmed from. So in 1928, in Melton Mowbray, they baked the first pork pies in Leeming Bar. However, the humble pork pie has been a staple in diets for centuries. The first time you can trace the word pie is in the Oxford English Dictionary back in 1303 and was popular and a well-known word by 1362. These days the word pie is every word and staple in our diets. According to the Oxford Companion of Food by Alan Davidson, pie, a word whose meaning has evolved over the course of many centuries and which varies to some extent according to the country or the region. The derivation of the word may have become from magpie shortened to pie the explanation offered in this favor is that magpie collects a variety of things that is essential part of early pies that contained a variety of ingredients if this explanation of the word rings true the middle english language was used from 1150 to 1470 uh, and uh, absolutely delicious uh, reason for the word pie food historians uh, the ancient people excellent and loved taste and ate pies through the years where they way they were eaten through recipes and obviously cooking takes varied from culture to culture so in mediterranean areas including ancient rome greece egypt arabia olive oil was uh primary fat to create the pastry with the olive oil they ground grains and combined the two resulting in a type of pastry with many documents and texts so you had an olive oil pastry medieval europeans got to the modern way of making pies using lard suet butter to create delicious pies the pies that we know and the shapes that we know today while many foods have their tradition and have spanned centuries so many cultures and there's been so many alterations to modernize and suit the uh, the age recipes of the pork pie throughout the ages it's incredibly fascinating the pork pie brand and pork pie lovers see recipes of how ancient civilization created their very own pork pie so you know you came across the latin text pernum ubi um com cacarus plumus exilia verus atribus lori follis decta got desilentem dingdes mel complidus uh, which basically means boil the ham to a large number of dried figs and three baileys, remove the skin and make diagonal incisions into the meat, pour in the honey, then make the dough of oil and flour, wrap it in ham, take it out of the oven when the dough is cooked and served. American settlers also ate pies as well. They're more of a necessity than a luxury. Pork pies have been enjoyed for both pleasure and survival throughout history. Being a huge fan of pork pies, we're grateful that such a tradition and British staple has been on the plate since 1362. Now, I absolutely love myself a pork pie. But, I mean, the pork pie plot without the jelly. The plot wouldn't hold together without the jelly. But I cannot take the slime. It's absolutely disgusting. So I don't know what it is, but as I've got older, my dreams have become incredibly boring. And back in the day, I had wonderful sort of racy dreams and uh, passion and all the rest of it there. None of that, none of that jazz on this early on the morning. But anyway, so 
so wonderful dreams uh, you know, as a teenager in my 20s. But recently I just started dreaming. I, I now dream about food all the time. Like ridiculous sort of food and new recipes and things like that. My dreams as I become older into my 40s have became, become very workmanlike. Absolutely workmanlike. I mean, the other day, though, I was uh, dreaming holding my hair. And the dream consisted of me basically holding and molding my hair into some sort of new hairstyle. And that was part of the dream. And I woke up and I was clenching my hair and I had molded my hair into a brilliant new quiff hairstyle just by holding it in my sleep hair. And over, over the course of aeons of time, as time ticks by, as morning goes to dusk into night and night becomes day again, I had a brand new hairstyle. And these are, these are, these are the consistencies of my dreams. I've become so very boring and my dreams have become so workmanlike. So I was wondering if I could go on a diet purely of red and purple foods. Like a basically a diet of like piccalilli. So you've got a diet of maybe some beets. Love pickled beetroots. Love it. Pickled red cabbage. Love it. Maybe a red delicious or a pink lady or a honey crisp. Or even from the other week we had our cosmic crisp, didn't we? I wonder if uh, the alien Adels are eating cosmic crisps as they come down from the ether. But yeah, I'm wondering if I could just eat purely red and then maybe blueberries. So I've got a diet of beets, red cabbage, blueberries, tomatoes, uh, and also motion, maybe some ooh, eggplants as well. Yes. Just do reds and purples all year. I could probably live forever if you do that. Apparently it's very, very good for men, the reds and the purples. On another topic though, I did have the biggest bone delivered just now to me. I've never seen such a size. Oh. I mean, it was incredible. This is, uh, this is for Maggie. Uh, maybe a piece of joy. I could saw the bugger in half. I might have to do this. It was a beef femur bone and it was a substitute item, the delivery. I thought, oh my God, this is probably $60 worth of bone. Like $5 for the biggest bone ever. I mean, you probably have to be one of the world's strongest men to lift this bone. Now, I don't know how a corgi's going to maneuver this bone around. Now, I mean, it's the biggest boner I've ever seen. I mean, I think the dogs would have the biggest boners they would ever see, but they're both female dogs, so that's not going to be an issue. Thank God, but they'll be like lifting the legs and squirting everywhere. I mean, you just don't want that, do you? But never seen a bone this big. I don't know what the collie's going to make of it. I'm going to have to, and I'm so cool right now. I'm just going to have to do a boomerang video, darlings. One of my favorite Twitter accounts, rate my plate now. So we had a full English represented on the plate by Ben. Let me describe it to you. You have four fat English pork sausages. You have some fairly crispy back bacon, two slightly uh, charcoal tomatoes, uh, maybe three hash browns, two sunny side up eggs, a ramekin of baked beans, and some sliced avocado. 
which could be quite controversial. So here's some of the, this is what people are rating it here. Avocado and a full English? What the f is this? Southerners, says somebody else. Avocado, off. Other than that, good plate, eight out of 10. Came here just for the avocado bashing, said somebody else. Green is nothing found on a full English. My grandfather fought the war and stopped this sort of thing from happening. I agree. Beans don't go in stupid little pots on the plate either. Not bad, but what's the green stuff? Avocado apparently goes on a full English. I blame Thatcher. Green does not belong on a thryer. Two for sheer audacity of the avocado. Minus one for the beans in the bowl. Minus one for the random bacon rasher placement at 10 o'clock. And minus another for no black pudding. And this may be the final word. Beans in a ramekin overrides the necessity using a sausage as a breakwater between the egg and the beans. And as Alan quite rightly said, I want it to be my decision. Overall, not bad. But lose the avocado. Cut price cauliflower. Prices of vegetables slashed after late harvest. The humble white vegetable commonly served doused in cheese. And also the name of this humble podcast is a family favorite. But farmers say cauliflower crops, which are usually harvested by the end of October, have only just flowered. Growers have blamed the late cauliflower harvest for some of the worst growing conditions for many years. Half a million cut price cauliflowers are set to hit the supermarket shelves in the next two weeks because of harvesting delays and now a flood on the market. The humble white vegetable commonly doused in cheese. Yes, cauliflower cheese. Uh, is basically going to hit all the dinner tables at once here. Growers have blamed the late harvest on a lack of cold nights in autumn, saying they faced some of the worst growing conditions for many years. Retailers faced a shortage of Christmas cauliflower, and they had to get them in from Europe to meet the festive demand. But consumers are now set to benefit with the supermarket Tesco, slashing the price of the vegetable in a bid to clear the post-Christmas surplus. It means that savvy shoppers will be able to snap up cauliflowers the 30p cheaper than normal over the next two weeks. The humble cauliflower, also known as brassica, uh, is part of the mustard family. Originally grown in Asia and around the Mediterranean Sea, Western Europe became popularly associated in Cyprus. And the typical sown from anywhere from February to May, harvested in October, China is the world's leasing, leading producer of cauliflower. Cauliflower is a good source of vitamin C. And the best-known UK recipe is cauliflower cheese. I do worry, though. Flooding the market with cauliflower will flood the market also with methane. I mean, we need to measure the amount of methane in the air because if you eat too much cauliflower, my dear ex-wife used to eat cauliflower. Whenever she did, she could not eat cauliflower. Anyway, if you measure the methane, over the coming weeks with these cut price cauliflowers, I think it could be a global environmental catastrophe, putting that much methane in the air because cauliflower does sometimes cause a rather rumbly tumbly, if you know what I'm saying. So rubbish poker will return very, very soon. I was thinking about rubbish poker this week, but we, um, we had a bit of a situation here. So I saw, I think would have broken the Guinness world book of records i saw a piece of tinsel from christmas extend maybe half a mile 
I mean, bits of tinsel absolutely everywhere. It's like a Hansel and Gretel trail of tinsel, basically heading to this huge skip. And I thought, well, you've got gold tinsel, basically, it's almost like a yellow brick road of golden tinsel taking you to a skip. And I thought, well, what's going to be in this skip? And very, very sadly, it caused me great torment at the time. There are a thousand dead Christmas trees in the skip that are not going to be recycled. Absolutely disgusting. Oh, hello, trombone. A pregnant woman was stood up at the altar by a soon-to-be husband who married a ceremonial knife instead. Niputu Melina from Bali ended up marrying a traditional keris dagger as part of the Hindu custom which helps dismiss humiliation from a woman and her family. The expectant mum was set to marry her partner but stepped down just two days before the wedding after his family changed their mind about letting them move in together. Though the groom declared his love for the proposed, the idea of running away so he could be with her, Melina's family said they shouldn't make any hasty decisions and decided to go ahead with the bride marrying the Keris Dagger. That's literally an inanimate object stabbing you in the back. A blade for a bride. And uh, what is undoubtedly a first and could end up being the last, the couple has announced they will be having a Harry Potter-themed wedding in Facebook's Metaverse. The bride's uh, deceased father will also be brought back to life for an avatar to officiate the nuptials. The coronavirus pandemic has meant many couples have to scale down or delay their weddings, but one Indian couple has found a way of uh, hosting theirs virtually. The move is well received on Twitter after the invite was shared by the groom who claimed it will be India's first Metaverse wedding. Currently, there are no strict limits on the number of people who can attend weddings in India, uh, especially no limits uh, within, the, uh, within the actual metaverse there. Uh, but to put it simply, the metaverse is the futuristic 3D version of the internet and people can physically enter. I mean, I mean, just imagine, though, a metaverse bridezilla. How bad that would be. I mean, it could be, it could be the end of the world. A tsunami of hate. I mean, I am looking forward to buying wedding gifts in the metaverse, but as you could always say it got lost in the cloud. And finally, uh, we have a Tesla driver caught watching porn on a car's console screen in a traffic jam. I mean, how did the police or the authorities know that he was watching porn? Well, apparently it was hands-free, but he was still playing with a stick shift. It's wonderful having you here in the podcast uh, for the last two sessions that we've had Friday and today. I hope you have a fabulous week. Like and subscribe where you can uh, across all the different platforms. Apple Music, Spotify, there's an audio version. Also, uh, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Slacker, Breaker, uh, Audible, Amazon Music almost everywhere when i held this huge femur bone up and i think i've ripped a muscle in my uh, quads here i could hear keep coming cauliflower cheese emanating from the bone marrow you can literally hear it anywhere but if you like music oh my gosh if you like music if you like the old disco favorite by a one-hit wonder, Ottawan, hands up. If you like some Culture Club, if you like some David Essex, some Snow Patrol, if you like some Adele, some 
Ed Sheeran, if you like some Fergie, Jellyfish, Pet Shop Boys, Bone Thugs and Harmony, a little bit of gangster rap going on there, Jigsaw, Stereothonics, Deacon Blue, then it is the musical setting for Indeed You. Coming up next, we do have a poem. This is a song about love and January. I do not love you except because I love you. I go from loving to not loving you, from waiting to not waiting for you. My heart moves from cold to fire. I love you because it is you, the one I love. I hate you deeply and hating you, bend to you in the measure of my changing love for you is that I do not see you, but love you blindly. Maybe January light will consume my heart with its cruel rays, stealing my cure and key to true calm. In this part of the story, I'm the one who dies, the only one, and I will die of love because I love you, because I love you. Love in fire and blood. Very stirring stuff. I hope you have a lovely week as we orienteer our route through the end of January and into February here. I will be back again next Friday for more Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. Listen back to all episodes in the podcast if you want a little bit more carb laden. Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. But watch out, it may make you just a little windy. Cheerio!